The following content is not a substitute for medical advice. Hey, 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 it's the doctor and the DJ, doctor and the DJ. Welcome to the Doctor and the DJ podcast. I am DJ John Richards here with Dr. Amy Lindsay. We've had a very busy week, Dr. Amy Lindsay and I. Uh, on Sunday, we hosted Death and Music at the Moore Theater, a packed house of people coming to the show, the event, to share in their grief, to hear stories from artists, to hear speakers who are paying tribute to lost ones a room where we told stories and hope to capture some of the grief and some of the, the feelings that were in the room. Now, Amy and I have been doing this for uh, over a decade now. And on the following day, we do a show on KEXP, The Mom Show, uh, where we do the same, but on the air and we hear people's stories and play music. And uh, that's been going on for uh, even longer. Now, um, instead of just capturing the audio of Death and Music and replaying it for you, I have with me, really for me, the keynote speaker <laughs> at Death and Music um, this year. Amy uh, had a speech on stage that I came out from the uh, the backstage area where we were, you know, busy getting everybody on stage and everything, and sat front and center to hear the speech. And I didn't know what the speech was going to be, and we've talked a lot about grief together. Uh, but it, you could hear a pin drop. It was, uh, it was a really meaningful speech. And Amy, today, even on the radio, I wrote you and said, I got three or four messages just around a certain thing you said on the air and at Death and Music in your when you talk about grief. And I'll let you talk more about that clearly, but um, it really resonated with people. But I was just curious for this podcast today, as we continue down this grief conversation um, and this, you know, November where the veil is thin between the living and the dead. If you remembered your speech, because <laughs> you didn't have any notes on stage, um, and could maybe talk a little, uh, talk, just tell, tell what you told at, at Death and Music today for people who are, are part of this podcast. Yeah, I actually really like public speaking, and I typed out a bunch of notes, and then I got one of my pens and just started to mark places in my notes, five different places I thought were important. And then I just kind of memorized what those five things were. And then I just left my notes on the podium and just went for it. <laughs> and, but I find that, and I'll, I say this all the time, but I think it's worth repeating that when we can truly access being in the present moment, which that was for me in that moment, um, we can access um, knowing the right thing to do or say, if that makes sense. Like we're we're privy to um, being in the moment <laughs> instead of worrying about like what's on the paper in front of us or uh, what we think we're supposed to be doing. So anyway, that's just my experience with doing uh, public speaking. And um, but yeah, I um, what. What I talked about was how I used to have this story, right? Like my story about grief was that I was cursed because so many people in my life kept dying. And it started when I was 10 years old. And my brother died when he was 18 in an avalanche while snowboarding. And I was 10. 
And my kids are 10 and 19 right now. And in fact, they're in the same grades. So I was in fifth grade when my brother died and he was in his first year of college. And that is also the situation in my house with my kids. My youngest is in fifth grade. My oldest is in his first year of college. So I know there's some psych term for this, but I don't know what it is where you you reach those moments in your life where there's some parallel experience to to a death of someone you love. And so I'm kind of in that right now where it, it's not lost on me that that impact, you know, if if my one of my kids died, how that would impact the other one, right? So that is how my grief started, 10 years old. And then my sister was murdered when she was 27 and I was 23. And it was awful, right? Super tragic, just the worst thing you can imagine, just a horror movie come true. Um, and then after that, my best friend Bryn, who was actually also my sister-in-law, she committed suicide. And then after that, uh, you know, I lost a friend to breast cancer. I lost another one to a brain aneurysm. And so in my mind, the compound grief was so much a part of who I was that I just kind of had this story that I was cursed. And I went through life with my head down in depression and thought nobody understood, right? Why me? Why me? Just kind of in this like victim-y mentality. And mind you, it was really hard, all of that. And then one day I looked up. <laughs> it's like I pulled my head out of my own ass and I looked up one day and I saw all of you or all the other people affected by death and grief. And it occurred to me just how ordinary that experience was. <laughs> that especially as we age, especially in midlife, like maybe your experience with grief and death didn't start at 10 years old, but by the time you get into midlife, you cannot escape it you will know someone who died, someone you probably love, someone you know, someone who's close to you, and it's going to impact you. And yet, as difficult as it is, it's one of the most ordinary human experiences. And at the same time, it's extraordinary. It extraordinarily changes you. Just like our birth. Our birth is the most ordinary experience. <laughs> We're all born. We all came out of a uterus. Someone grew us in the uterus and then we came out of their body. That happened to everyone. We will all die. That will happen to everyone. So it's the most ordinary and the most extraordinary experience, just like us. We're all extremely ordinary and extraordinary in our own way. Um, and then I went on to talk about our conversation with Nabil last week. So I've thought a lot about that conversation and I couldn't stop thinking about it. And Nabil and I actually were going back and forth. We were going back and forth on Instagram, on email, um, that he didn't know what happened to my sister. And he was sharing a story about her last week about going snowmobiling and being in the same graduating class at East High School. And he came from it with such an innocent joy 
if that makes sense, he was describing an, a joyful experience and his energy was innocent. You know, he had no idea what happened to her and that I hadn't had someone talk to me about my sister like that in so long. In fact, everyone usually walks on eggshells around me about that, about her murder and about what happened to her. And he just was telling a story. And just for a minute, not even a minute, like just a few seconds, I got to experience as if she never died. <laughs> I had this moment of normalcy that it was that it was normal that a memory of her could be normal and joyful and delightful and it just reminded me that you know the people we lost are human just like us and sometimes if we can just access even just the most mundane and normal memories like even an argument at the kitchen counter <laughs> <laughs> even just a smile or a laugh over something stupid. And we can remember our humanity in those moments. And even then, if we're able to do that, then we can also access forgiveness. And we, we can forgive them for dying and leaving us here. And we can... Forgive them for all the stupid shit they said or did, all the stupid shit we said or did, or all the things we didn't do and didn't say. And if we look up and we start sharing our stories of grief and we start connecting to other people, we have access to deep, deep connection with human beings and we can be real about our experiences and our pain. And just on the other side of death is life. And ironically, you know, John and I have been saying this, it's a superpower. You know, when we're in grief, we are confronted with the truth. Like the actual truth is in front of our face of what is important and what is not and who is important and you can actually create your life from that place. And on the other side of pain is joy. And on the other side of grief is love. And when we connect to other people, then we truly know we're not alone. There you go. I said something like that. <laughs> <laughs> the part about looking up. Yeah. Can you say more about that? The part about, um, that really resonated with people. A couple things did, but that one for me too, is, is, is looking up and seeing everybody. Well, when I went backstage, um, a few people came up to me. Um, a few people came up to me. Mike McCready came up to me and talked to me for a bit and, uh, said he had no idea about my story and just he was still processing it and it was powerful. And Chris Friel and I had this conversation about 
when we're adults, we kind of just, especially when we're younger, we have our head up our, so far up our own asses. Like we just, <laughs> we really, really we do. really do. We just cannot. And I don't know if we're supposed to not have our head up our ass. Do you know what I, I, I mean? It's a phase. It's like, head up I the think, ass phase. Yeah. Um, but once your prefrontal cortex is fully formed. Then the head doesn't fit in the ass anymore. Is that a. You know what? A- <laughs> I've never thought of it like that. And I know you're being funny, but I think you might be right. Um, medical term. Medical term. Thank you. Actually, this is not medical advice, but there's something about getting out of your own way and out of your own head and looking up and seeing everybody else. Everybody else is out here. We're all out here. <laughs> and... I'm not the only one with tragic, horrible grief going on. I'm not the only one with compound grief going on. I'm not, this isn't a unique experience to me, right? And and that's what I was saying about that it's ordinary. It's an ordinary experience, even though it's an extraordinary experience. And if we tell our stories, we find more and more and more how much other people can relate to us and and we can build those connections to other human beings is there a part that you need to let go or or i don't need to let go but that happens where you do recognize that it is ordinary and extraordinary that here's an example my sister could never my sister who passed could never even to me, could never talk to me about her grieving because she said hers, I just didn't understand. It was so much worse than mine. And this was my sister who, we both had the same mom. We both, this is the example. And I remember thinking they're different. They're, they're just different. The, our relationships were different. The way we experienced that loss was different. For my sister, she needed my mother to talk to almost every day to get her through where I did not need that. Me and mom had a relationship that was different. But if you can't, I feel like grief causes one to think, nope, you have no idea. I think you're in a unique position. I was telling you this after the show. I was like, well, after the lady whose sister was murdered, brother died in an avalanche, best friend committed suicide. You didn't even get to your father who died had, recently. Oh yeah, my You're dad so died. far down the road and grandparents and everyone. And Amy's had more than that. We've, we've had quite a few people. Your sister-in-law died. <laughs> you know, you knew Lee. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's such a long list. I think there's a bit of a, I don't know. I, I hear you even when you say, because I think if Amy's saying that, then maybe maybe I do need to look up more. And maybe while I my grief is is my own and very different, I think if you can't see those people around you grieving, I don't think you can ever come out of it um, and 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 move on at all. And when I say move on, I don't mean like get over it. I mean function as an adult, like get out of bed and go to work. Like if if you can't get that, and I don't know how some people get there and some people don't. My sister never did. I have so many thoughts. Let's see if I can stop my brain, like <laughs> slow it down enough to get it out my verbally. Um couple things, few things. The first thing I want to say is that pain is not comparable. Pain is not comparable. One person's pain is their own pain. And it is going to be different. 
But what is comparable is we all have pain. And we all have human suffering. We all have our version of that, whatever that is. And it's relative, right? Um, there are people in my family who are not dealing with all this as well as I am, right? There are people in my family who are alcoholics. There are people in my family who cannot stop with some of the dark thoughts and obsession over all of it. And there are many reasons for all that. Um, I also think this is the brutal irony of death and grief is that it is so powerful that it has the power to take us out. There, there have been moments in my life where I felt like it was a razor's edge between living a happy and healthy, and I don't, and I mean like mentally healthy life versus like jumping the cliff or going into alcoholism or, or something, right? There have been many moments in my life where I felt like I was riding that edge and I needed help. I've talked about it on this podcast. Um, somehow I've been able to dig deep and continue to choose growth and continue to choose to look for the joy on the other side of the pain. And that doesn't mean you um, sweep it under the carpet. In fact, I think when you face it head on, you have more of a chance of getting through it. And I think the constant numbing ourselves out with distractions, like we are so distracted in this culture. This is something that Kim Byron and I were talking about backstage at Death of Music. She and I were talking about in this culture, we don't deal with grief. We don't wail and cry and take days off and weeks off and months off, or, you know, <laughs> some of us do, but that is, we just kind of take a few days off and then go back to work. And I have a lot of other things to say about that in general, about our health. But I think that if it was more normalized and more of us did look up more and we did share our stories more, there would be a lot more opportunity. Does that make sense? A lot, a lot more opportunity to face it and to go through it rather than to continue to distract ourselves and avoid and numb ourselves out. There's also an apology sometimes for people who even come to our event. They say, well, I, my mom died 20 years ago, but I'm, st I'm going to come. <laughs> and I think that's, um, that jumps out at me because I have so many people who write me every day about losses. And I think, yeah, it, it could be harder. Now you've had this many years without them. It actually sometimes gets harder and you've been distracting yourself. So as you just said, with my sister, my, my, what am I trying to say? I had to come to terms with it. Like my moment of like, uh Oh, was my birthday, which was over a year after she died, right? A year and a month. She, she was gone and I thought I dealt with it and I'm an expert because I host death and music and I do all the things. I don't think there's and a timeline. There isn't a timeline is what I'm saying. And my distraction, I didn't even know I was distracting myself from it. I was just distracted. I was scrolling 
every free moment I had or even reading or other, there's healthy things I was doing. I talked about like how much I was playing pickleball and I was exercising and running and all I, w- I was distracting myself. So I think we don't stop and wail and shut down for a little while. And I think that's one of the reasons why death and music is so unique is we're asking you to stop for a moment and stop and be in a room full of other people having an extraordinary and ordinary experience together in the same room. I think that's why this is happening, but oh, it's shocking how unique it is too at the same time. Cause I think, I think we, I think there's a problem. I think we need to stop and start dealing with grief. Well, I agree. I mean, it's not going to work out for you if you go to a board meeting and start talking about your dead relatives and, and demand that the board meeting uh, adjust its topic but, to grief. That, but try like, it. <laughs> I mean, just try it. We don't I mean, know unless someone out there tries it's it. It's not appropriate for me in my patient care yes, to not. start talking about my dead relatives, right? Um, but what I think is, is that there there is space and there is time we need to create as a society. And, and what I'll do with a lot of my patients, now this is not medical advice, ask your own doctor. But what I'll do with a lot of my patients is I will ask them to create a time slot in their week for grief. That every Thursday at 10 a.m. and to even get themselves a grief box, like a little shoe box of memorabilia or photos or um, even things they wrote down or, you know, maybe the obituaries in there. I don't know. Um, and to take time and get a cozy blanket, you know, get some tea, get comfortable, like put your phone in airplane mode and just allow yourself to read or journal or cry or look at photos and process with intentionality like you would do anything else. Yeah, I was going to ask you what that looked like. And, and that's what it looks like. Your little, your little shoebox, whatever you got, whatever, whatever works or go to a place that's nice. You know, our friends Rocky and April, they spoke a year ago at Death and Music and they lost their child um, almost two years ago now. And uh, I know that they have a bench in their name. I, I love it so much. They have this sweet bench in Keenan's name. And so there is a actual place, you know, or if, if you spread ashes somewhere or if you, or if they're in a cemetery buried, or maybe you can't get to the cemetery, all my relatives are not, are all buried in a different place than I live. So, um, but to just have, or just have those little glimmers that we talk about, you know, for some people it's rainbows, for some people it's a bird, for some people it's a song, (laughs) a song that comes in or an artist or something, but just like have a playlist. Yeah. I'd say that's where I go. I clearly go to music or I create shows around it without telling anyone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm processing grief in front of tens of thousands of people without them even knowing, but you don't have to be a DJ on the air to do that. You can make your own playlist mm-hmm. and, and think of them and create that 10 song playlist. Send it to me, by the way, I'd love to see it. Um, and, and, and get lost in it. That, that's what I do. And it's making a mixtape for someone you love or something that remi- you were reminded of. We did a mixtape contest at the station a few years ago for fun. 
just funsies. And do you know a lot of them were that? They were were tributes to someone and they were what you would have done back in the day when you were, because I used to do that. I did one for my grandpa who died. He, I was told my grandpa died when um, I was listening to U2's uh, Rattle and Hum. And so I did the mixtape for my grandpa and it was Rattle and Hum was throughout. Then I played other songs if my grandpa knew or not, but it was for me to remember my grandpa. Now I haven't thought, God damn, Amy, I hadn't thought of that in a long time. That was a good take. Rattle and Hum. Yeah, Rattle and Hum. When Love Comes to Town is what was playing. My mom came in and told me Mm. that that her dad died. She had to tell me that grandpa died. That's always a tough one. And it occurred to me later, that was your dad. Yeah, I really hated telling our kids about my dad yeah. and their grandpa and your sister and their aunt. I really hated that. I hated it so much. Do you remember the story of um, Arlie's mother-in-law? Ugh, I hated that too. I had, we found out she was dying. Arlie's grandmother. Arlie's grandmother. And was up in Bellingham. Mm-hmm. And so I immediately got him in the car. And we, I, I had to climb into his bunk bed say, and tell him his grandmother died. Yeah, because he, was he wasn't feeling well or he stayed home for some reason. I don't yeah, remember. It was like, he was home from school. He was an intuitive motherfucker. Yeah, he was just home. He's, then I'm like, he wasn't sick. He just, both our kids I think are. it was just a day he couldn't go to school. And trust me, I can relate to this. I missed a lot of school. So anyway, we got, I got in the car and I drove responsibly, but right on the edge of irresponsibly to get him up there. Of course, it's raining. Every drive I've ever made in this state around someone dying, which is way too many times. It's always a John Cusack movie. It's always raining. So we're we're rolling up, rolling up, rolling up. And we were in contact with his aunt. And she called you, I believe. Mm -hmm. And as I'm one mile away. You're just like about to pull in the parking lot. She died. Yeah. And so we rolled into the parking lot. And I crawled, he's just sitting there, this, this thing, this sweet innocent boy is sitting there just like, oh, I see grandma, you know? And I crawled back there and I was just like, hey man, grandma died. Just wailing. And his uncle Brian, standing feet from the car, sees us, gets in the car, the three of us, just sat in the back in that moment together. And I realized with grief, I'd experienced it so many times in so many different ways. I had never sat with my son to tell him someone died. That's a, 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 another level. And I'm glad we made it there um, because that's when the family came out of the room, right? When we were there and you have this sweet boy, you know, which always helps. My point is, I guess I'm making is there's so many different things associated with this, Amy. There's so many different situations and so many unique overwhelmingly devastating things you have to do around grief that I understand why we're so confused about it. Yeah. Um, I do want to say that if someone is acutely grieving, that is not the time to give them all of your stories or all of your advice. (sighs) Yes, actually. So just as I'm telling you to open up and start sharing your stories, (laughs) I do, I have an asterisk for you. And the asterisk is this, if someone just lost somebody within six months or even a year. Um, what you can do is handle some of the things that need to be happen need to happen. Go mow their lawn, <laughs> like go pick up groceries for them, make them dinner, make them dinner, them um, watch watch thing. their kids for them. Yeah. Um, 
run a carpool for them. Like do go whatever, like that kind of stuff. Because when you're grieving, none of that stuff matters. You don't, it's like, it's really hard to deal with the sort of daily routine kind of stuff and do everything you can to not put your own story in there. Because I think people do it out of empathy and they want to have a connection or they want to let the person know, Hey, I know what's going on over there. Right? Like you're not alone. And you actually want them to feel that. But I would say, give it a minute, (laughs) like give it six months, give it a minute so that when they, when they're ready to look up a little bit, then, then you're there to share your stories. Does that make sense? It does. If you're going through your thing and someone hands you their awful story, of course, it's going to be terrible. Someone died. Now you're taking on that, that's that story while you're still dealing with yours. And I run into that a lot in my line of work. So when I ran into grief, I had a lot of people instantly tell me about their dead sister or brother. And it I couldn't, I didn't know what to do with it. I couldn't take it. Yeah. Give it six months. Or yeah. Now yeah. I could. Now I can, yeah. Now <laughs> I can bond with you over it and we can talk about it and over beers or, or over the radio station or whatever. Great advice, Amy. So there's a, there's a lot involved. It'll all be out in our how-to guide to grief coming out soon. <laughs> Dr. Amy with the guy asking the questions, DJ John Richards, or on this podcast. So if you, um, um, just a shout out to my, the station I work at KXP. If you, if you go back to the, uh, what, what was the anniversary of my mom's passing? Actually, it was the Monday, November 13th. We did this on the air there and, um, and we'll, I'm sure be doing death and music again next year, Amy. Yeah. Um, if you get a chance, put it on your calendar. We don't know the exact date, but it's around this time every year in November, uh, death and music. Uh, this year we did it at the Moore theater, which was so awesome. I mean, we walked up and seen Death and Music on the Marquee. Yeah, I, it was One, it was cool. It, it was like yeah, it, it, yeah. yeah. The first the, I said this there, but the first time I ever came to Seattle on my own, I couldn't drive. I wasn't old enough. My buddy Chad drove, and uh, how that car made it over, I'll never know. But we made it and went with my brother to see Pixies at mm-hmm. the Moore Theater. Then, when I was on stage about ready to introduce Mike McCready, I remembered my sister and I coming to the Pearl Jam 10 Club show at that place. So I, it was just, it, it's such a special theater. So big. And I think it's haunted. So oh, 100%. Totally haunted. So, I felt it the minute I walked in there. And I don't mean in a bad way. I was like, good ghosts in there. Good ghosts. And some of them, I'm convinced, follow, followed us home. That We had the worst night of sleep. And I woke up in the middle of the night. She's talking to all ghosts. all this weird shit going on. Sounds and my phone turning on and off and like the light turning on and off and all this shit was happening. I'm not kidding. True story. And the dog was barking and barking and barking and barking. Oh yeah. And the dog was barking and, all night. Um, oh I sat God, up in bed and I just said, Hey, knock it off. We're trying to sleep yeah. to all the ghosts. And then I went to sleep, which as her partner was <laughs> very startling, by the way, <laughs> just like, Hey, knock it off. I'm like, are, we, are you talking about um, the dog right now? Anyway, yeah, I forgot the dog was associated with that too. She never does that. She's all up night, all night, barking. Anyway, and then the she ended morning, up shitting her crate. Shit her crate the next but, morning. But she, we, she was taken out in <laughs> the middle of ghosts. the night. Hey, just so you know, she was taken out in the middle of the night. But she, I think it was a ghost. Okay. Yes, because she wouldn't poop. That would make more sense if she went out and pooped. Okay, I'm just saying that's more evidence that there were ghosts. She's an ordinary dog. She poops. 
That's right. She would have that. What I'm trying to say, she was barking not because she had a crapper pants, but because the ghost that you were describing. Okay. I just want to explain what death and music is in case we didn't. I don't think we did. It's, it's, it's like a second funeral if they're never, or maybe it's your first funeral because maybe you didn't have one. Maybe you're, you lost someone during COVID or there's some reason there wasn't a fuel, uh, funeral. Um, the first funeral is always weird. It's loaded with expectation and weird family dynamics some weird and people are usually in shock. Um, so death and music gives you that second and third and fourth and fifth, you know, it gives you that opportunity that those chances to grieve your loved one in a room full of other people grieving. And it's a very welcoming and safe space. And we have, we program music, we program everything from a bagpiper to a classical string quartet to a rock band to, you know, it's all kinds of music. And then there's usually um, two or three speakers. Yeah. In the Shana Shepherd podcast, we talk a lot about it. If you haven't listened to that one, go back and listen to Shana. We actually booked her live on this podcast to perform at Death and Music. And yes, she very much did. So the connections in Nabil, the Nabil story, Nabil's on our last podcast, Nabil airs. Um, she referenced that in her in her uh, speech on stage. So again, this connectivity that is all around us is only possible if you look up. You got to look, look up. You got to look up. Try to be in the present moment yeah. once in a while. Yeah. One last thing I want to say before we go okay. is um, give people the gift of going second. Mm. So if you are feeling alone or kind of overwhelmed with all your own shit and you are looking for the people and they're not there <laughs> or nobody's writing you or texting you or reaching out, you be the first person. You be the person who reaches out and sends the texts and asks how people are doing. Yeah. If you're ever having that conversation, why isn't so-and-so text me? I, I do this. And you know what Amy says? Why don't you text him? <laughs> <laughs> what? No. Then I couldn't be indignant and very sure that they're supposed to write me. And so just the other day, I wrote one of my best friends, and now we're all getting together. That's right. At our house. It turns out <laughs> she was right. If you're sitting around waiting, don't. Don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Be that person who writes. Do you want to be that person who writes? I do. So thank you, Amy. I appreciate it. Yeah. That, that worked you, out for you me. You let everybody else go second. You be the first one to reach out <laughs> with your generosity and spirit and check in on people. You don't understand. They didn't. Nope. Life's too short for that. And as Jimmy James said at Death and Music. Remember to tell your loved ones you love them. He just could not stop saying that on stage, and he meant it. Just tell people you love them. Do. I, I love you, John. I love you, too. All right. I love you, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Doctor and the DJ podcast. A reminder to follow us at the Doctor and the DJ. All of this is on our Instagram and pictures from Death and Music and stuff like that. And at Craft and Clinic and uh, for Amy and DJ John Richards for me. And we have a lot going on. We have a retreat to announce very soon. My record club, as you may have heard, is going to be bringing in new members uh, soon into this community. And I have uh, my Craft and Clinic Collective, yep. which is mental, physical, spiritual health for midlifers, basically. It's a collective, and I run it annually, and I'm about to open the doors for that so you could get in for 2024. Wow. You probably you don't have a lot of openings for that, do you? Is that... You, you seem I, very busy. 
I am so busy. I do not. Um, my collective is my group program and it's mostly online. We do have a retreat and we do have, uh, a couple in-person experiences depending. Um, but yeah, I, I only open the doors for it like once, maybe twice a year. Sometimes I let some more people in during the year, but I, I really like, I, it depends on how many people we get at this time of year. So I craft and clinic 24 Mm -hmm. online at, uh, craftingclinic.com. Yes. Craftingclinic.com at craftingclinic for Instagram. And, um, I will be rolling all that out soon. Okay. Before the end of the year, Mm -hmm. we're busy. You got that. I made your surgery. Oh yeah. Amy's so, going down on the 19th December, of December. Yeah. So we are taking next week off and then we have a couple more podcasts to end the year. And then, um, I'm going to take about six weeks off. Yeah. For surgery. <laughs> it's going to be fun. Yay. <laughs> we'll do some live Instagramming. Yeah, we'll do some It'll stuff. be great. Like the next day. Like fantastic. the next day. Yeah. I'll get From a mic. my hospital bed. I won't really tell her we're doing it. I'll just do it. Cause who wouldn't love that? Just um, keep it up with the hustle culture. Yeah. Just, no, yeah, that's not. That's right. This is going to this is going to be a huge marketing coup. Amy post surgery <laughs> from the hospital. John trying to handle it and not. <laughs> not <laughs> no, you can put a GoPro on and stream live if you want, but I want nothing to do with that. Okay, I will be recovering. Fair. All right. Well, we of course wish you the best. And by the way, I just looked down at our Instagram. If you follow us. Jimmy James. Hey, Jimmy this. James. Jimmy, we were just talking about you. We were just you. talking about you. In a very, very positive light, my friend. And we were, oh my gosh, uh, if you follow us on Instagram, we do this live there too. Jimmy, we, we, we made sure to tell everybody, and I did this on the radio show too, to remind everybody that you love them. Do not end your day without telling your loved ones you love them. Um, it's very important. You just never know. This life is way too short. So thank you, Amy, for your, everything you've done uh, in, in Death and Music and on The Mom Show. And uh, I think that's it. Ruinous Media. Thank you, Patrick. Thanks for everything. Appreciate you. Michael Lerner for doing the big hey. theme song. And anybody else? And I think we're done. All, all the right. people who participated and made Death and Music what it was. We appreciate you very, very much. Where to go now? All right. Bye. Bye.